Good evening again. Just to hear you respond is wonderful. Um, and now, in closing, is what we're calling this evening. Now, anytime you hear a, a preacher-type guy say, and now, in closing, you start counting, like, is this going to be two or three times he's going to close? Ecclesiastes talks about Solomon as the preacher or teacher, right at the first chapter. It says, and the preacher says this, or the teacher says this, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then he writes this journal. We're coming now to the closing pages of the journal. So this is the wrap-up weekend for Ecclesiastes for us in terms of us looking at it. And uh, I had a perfect moment this week. I don't know if it's a perfect moment, more like an imperfect moment, but I had a Pastor Jeff Lucas moment this week. Are you with me? You got, got what I'm saying here? This is not going to be good. It's not going to end well. It's just, Jeff just gets into all these kind of places. Well, last weekend I was in California, and oftentimes when I fly out for a couple of days, I'll drive my car and leave it at Denver Airport, and I've got an older car. It's about 20 years old, and, and as I drove up, it started chugging. I mean, just, and I didn't know if I was going to make it. I parked it in the garage, went to California, called a mechanic here. He said, you need to put some of that fuel injection stuff in probably, and you know, we don't know what it is. And so Pastor Rob Coles on Monday was so kind to take me down, and I had jumper cables and had oil, and I had that fuel injection stuff you put in the gas. And as we pulled up to the, to the airport, I said, this is going to be, this, I'm just praying that when I get in the car, I've got the jumper cables and I got this and I got the other stuff. When I get in the car, that it's just going to start. If only I had the key. <laughs> and the key was here in Fort Collins. And I said, I am so sorry. I am. And he said, not a problem. I'll take you back. He's just that kind of guy. And we started back. And I said, but what a fantastic illustration for Sunday and for the weekend, for the Saturday. It's, it's just going to be a great because you've got this part of life and this part of life. But if you don't have the key, it doesn't make any difference. And I said, we need to call Ruth and tell her that we're coming back. And so I called Ruth and I said, what she's going to say is, oh, Dick. So I put her on speakerphone. I said, Ruthie, this is Dick. We're coming back. She said, did you get it started? And I said, no. She said, why? And I said, well, I forgot the key. And she said, oh, Dick. <laughs> and I said, but this is going to be a tremendous illustration. It's going to be a great illustration. And sweet, caring Ruth, who now, by now was laughing, said, and what would that illustration be? How can we not be stupid? That's my sweet, caring wife. Well, see, now the preacher comes along and says, let's not be stupid here. Let's not be dumb. Don't have the spirit of dumbness on you. Let's get this right, okay? Let's get this right. Listen to how it reads. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 14, and I'll read rapidly. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed with the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up to the sound of the birds but all their songs grow faint, 
When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Well, that's sort of a downer, that whole deal right there. That's, he's just saying, you're going to get old, and then you're going to die. Well, we know that, but you don't need to remind us like this. It, I mean, it goes through this whole meaningless of meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. The conclusion of the matter, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright. And true, the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. I read this and I say, ah, to be young again. To be playful, to be adventuresome, to be fearless, to be experiencing all those firsts, to be invincible. That's what you are when you're young. Foundational decisions are made and patterns set when we are young. Point one. Foundational decisions are made and patterns set when we are young. When you're a little baby, your brain is growing like crazy. When you're first born, Hundreds of thousands, billions of cells growing like every day. It's just unbelievable. When you're two to five, you're just like getting knowledge through your pores. I mean, preschoolers, they're just sucking in knowledge all kinds of ways. And the way they see the world is just amazing. One of our daughters who's married to a very fine person, and they live in uh, California. They have three boys, now 10, 8, and 6. And when the 10-year-old who's precocious, you know, all of our grandkids are geniuses, but sometimes you get someone who's precocious. He was precocious. When he was five, one day he crawled up on the bed with me on a Sunday afternoon when I was out there speaking, and he said, help me build a pyramid, Grandpa. I said, okay, with a Lego. He said, how do we do a door? I said, I don't, I, I've never done a pyramid door, but, but we'll, we'll, we're going along. He said, Grandpa, he couldn't say his R's. He said, Grandpa, I got a question. I said, okay. He said, if there's fire in hell, why is it so dark? <laughs> and I'm saying, now for, he's five. Who's been talking to him about hell, for starters? I mean, that's one deal, but where does he come up with that? And I, say, I said, hmm, good question. You know, I have no idea what the answer to the question was. I, but little kids, they just come out of nowhere with stuff because they're always learning in 7 to 12 when they're 7 to 12. I mean, they're, they're looking at parents as examples. They're gaining social infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. And then when they're 12 or whatever, then puberty hits and hello, all bets are off, everything. But we're just, we're just, when we're young, the world is our oyster. We just, we got all kinds of things to do and places to go. And the writer who's old says, pay attention to God when you're young, all kids who are introduced to God in an early age have a leg up on life. Doesn't mean they all respond to him. But if you're a parent here tonight, today, if you're here and you are introducing your children to Jesus, 
What a gift you're giving them. If your parents introduced you, what a gift they gave you. When I was seven years old, I've told you this before, I'm in this boarding school in South India, missionary parents, and they have a little chapel thing. And, and the person who's speaking said, at the end of this time, if you want to know about Jesus, go to the principal's office. Well, the principal's office is a huge hurdle to the kingdom of God, but I wanted to know about this Jesus who was exciting. At least he seemed exciting, the way they talked about him. And it was just such a neat thing. I'm thankful for being introduced to Jesus. It didn't mean that my family was always great. It didn't mean that my life has been perfect. It just means that when I got in touch with the Creator in my youth, there's something about that. So you who are parents and single parents, you who are instructing your children, you who are placing them in settings to learn about God, I know it's work, but it's good work. I would even go farther than that. I'd say it's great work. Keep doing that. When we remember our Creator, there's more. The problem is our youth goes away. You know, your youth till, I don't know, what is it, 18, 21, 25, we keep moving it. But it's, you know, it's those early years. I'm way past my youth, and it's unavoidable. Age just comes on you. You're just going along, going around the sun, clicking them off. And, and pretty soon, you know, we're older. I stood in a cemetery last Saturday morning. Our son-in-law's father had died. And I stood there looking at all those grave markers, and it said, you know, Born 1811, died 1873. The whole life there, just in that grave marker. And I had this thought. My father-in-law, whenever he spoke at, at the services, memorial services, had these thoughts. Life is short. Death is certain. But the grave is not the goal, point two. Life is short. Death is certain. And the grave is not the goal. And here, the writer of Ecclesiastes starts unrolling this metaphor for what it's like to get old. This is not Randy Travis singing, I'm going to love you forever, forever and ever, amen. As long as old men sit and talk about the weather, as long as old women sit and talk about old men, whatever that is that he said. That's not this. This is, this is the man saying when the keepers of the house get weak the hands when the strong men the legs get tired when the grinders the teeth go away when the doors the ears get bad when the sound of grinding is low daughters of music brought low it's hard of hearing afraid of that which is high my fear of falling when the almond tree blossoms it's a metaphor for getting white hair i get that part when desire shall fail I mean, it's not something we aspire to. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I just like to be like old. Nobody says that. But we do. That's where we end up. We end up older or old or way old. Some years ago, I was flying on a plane to California, and they had Hugh Downs. Remember, he was the co-host with Barb Walters on 2020, and he was interviewing people from the fastest-growing demographic group in the country. Those were people over 100. At that time, 20, 25 years ago, 35,000 people over 100. And he was interviewing him. And they found out four things about people who were over 100. One is they were optimistic. Two is they had sense of humor. Three is they stayed physically active. And the fourth was they could let go of tragedy. 
And he was talking to an older woman, Mrs. Fredericks. He said, and Mrs. Fredericks was 103, and her daughter, who was 73, had died the night before. And they didn't think she'd want to do it. She said, no, I'll do it. And he said, Mrs. Fredericks, tell me about Susie. She said, you know, Mr. Downs, when Susie was a little girl, we used to put her in her bed with her dolly every, every night. And we'd say, okay, Susie, now you just snuggle up to Jesus. She paused and said, and that's what she did last night. Remember the creator in the days of your youth. Train up the child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the coolest things happening in this congregation, most of us don't know about, but the prime timers, those are folks who are older, and 970, those are folks who are younger. Many of them have been getting together once a month for a dinner on a Friday night, and um, the prime timers bring the food and the young folks just come, because when you bring the food, we, we young people, just come, you know? <laughs> and I understand now they're starting to play board games together. When you live in a culture, when you as an older person, you're talking to your grandchildren, and they're sitting on the couch and texting each other while you're talking to them, and you're going crazy. Wouldn't it be cool to come and sit with a young person and just play a board game? Wouldn't that be fun? That linkage is really critical. Psalm 78, 71, 18 says, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Our, li our lives are works in progress, and we simply help each other by our presence. Younger and older, we help each other. A couple of weeks ago, somebody sent me this book. This is Billy Graham's latest and probably last book, and it's called Nearing Home. Nearing Home. I remember when Billy was a young, fiery evangelist in a tent meeting out in Los Angeles in 1949, and William Randolph Hearst, the publisher, got wind of this young guy, and he told the LA Times, puff the young guy in the tent, and that was the start of the trajectory of Billy Graham. It's a great book to read. There's Jesus on every page. This is pure Billy on every page. But he tells the story of his wife, Ruth, who long before she was bedridden and now she's gone home, was driving through a road work area mile after mile with cautionary signs. And they got to the end of this area of the construction. It said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. Chuckling, she said, I want that on my gravestone. Can I run that by again? End of construction, thank you for your patience. I want that on my gravestone, Ruth Graham. So the conclusion of the matter is fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. Life's only answer is to revere and trust the designer. The idea of fear is reverential awe. It's not fear that paralyzes it. It's not fear that scares you away. It's reverential awe. It's standing overlooking the Grand Canyon and you have no words. It's sensing a storm at sea and not knowing how to describe it. It is a moment in time that's so intimate and real that it takes your breath away. Fear God and obey his commandments or trust him 
Here's, here's one of his commands. The same writer, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. No matter our age, revering and trusting is the key. Late August, we prayed over a couple of friends by the name of Rich and Becky Dixon and their dog, Monty. You remember that when we prayed over Rich and Becky Dixon? They're going to come and join me here. Rich and Becky had this dream. And the dream was that they would be able to uh, ride, or that Rich would be able to ride, the length of the Mississippi River by hand cycling the Mississippi River. Just about this time, I think they're going to join me. Are you here, Rich and Becky? There they are. Let's welcome them. <laughs> Becky, you can help. What do you what do you think, Monty? Yeah. Rich and Becky had a dream that they could hand cycle the Mississippi River, fifteen hundred miles, and they went from um, Lake Itasca, Minnesota, all the way to New Orleans, about 40 to 50 miles a day. They had to trust God in order to do that. And you see some of the pictures on the... That makes me feel... I feel like the weatherman standing here with that thing. That, that's very cool. So when you, um, when you think about the trip, Rich, and I'm going to ask this to you, when you think about one sentence or one thought that would uh, distill what happened? Generosity. 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 Um, and it, it really began here. Um, when, I, when we floated this crazy idea, and people said, hey, you ought to do it. Um, folks at Timberline were so generous with encouragement, with time, with resources to help us get it going. Then sponsors stepped forward, and then we actually went and did this crazy thing. And I don't have time to tell you the stories of people who heard what we were doing and just spontaneously said, hey, we want to be a part of this. We want to give you a donation. We want to give you a free night in a hotel. We want to feed you, whatever it was. Um, so my takeaway is that we need to turn the news off a little bit more and stop listening to the people who want to tell us that we're divided and that, that there's nothing but greed in the world because it's not the truth. So for, for the distance you rode, you were also raising funds to help hungry kids around the world through Convoy of Hope and with matching dollars on your trip. And we don't have exact figures, but what do you think? Well, with the matching figures, we raised a little over $40,000. $40,000. That's a good deal, isn't it? Becky, what, what was your, your takeaway? Well, I have more than one word. Okay. Is it on? Probably should it's not on. Let's. Hello. Yes. <laughs> okay, you have more. Well, the amazing power and empowerment from prayer is my takeaway. The journey was filled with amazing 
answers to prayer. And it started here with this body raising us up and people um, calling, sending emails, sending Facebook messages, sending notes on the blog to continue to encourage, to give us courage mm. so we could give hope to others. That's, that's my takeaway. Great. You were in Jackson, Mississippi a few Sundays ago, almost at the end of your journey. You spoke in Jackson. A couple came to you and said, we work with homeless people. Would you come and talk to them tomorrow morning? What happened? Well, first of all, it was, it was uh, a tough, tough audience. It's a Monday morning. These guys had been outside all weekend, um, and it was cold. And I'm thinking the last thing they want to hear is me talking about hope. You know, they came there for a warm meal and a place to be safe for a few hours. But I talked about hope, and I talked about, you know, when I talk, I don't, I don't pull punches and try to make it sound like, it, like God's some magic, you know, gumball machine where you, you know, you put your thing in and he just magically gives you the, the easy way out because it doesn't work that way. And so I talked a lot about, you know, how hard it is, but there still is hope. And when we finished, this big, burly guy walked up to me. But what did he, you say before he walked up uh, to you? Well, yeah. I want to hear this line. The, my, I've heard this story before. My, my ending line was, if an old, bald, crippled guy can ride a hand cycle 1,500 miles down the Mississippi River, what can you do? And this big, burly guy walked up to me. He just had tears streaming down his face. And he bent over kind of awkwardly and gave me a big hug, and when he got his face right next to my ear, he whispered, I can do this. And then he stood up, very tall, and he shook my hand, and he said, I can do this. And he turned around and walked out. And I didn't know what this was at the time. I found out the backstory later, and it's quite a story. But it's amazing what God did with this. I don't know how many of you here have ever wanted to do something, said, so, you know, I ought to really try that sometime. I'd like to, I just, I think, I think I can do it. I just don't. Wednesday, January 18th, write this down. Wednesday, January 18th, right here, we're going to have Rich and Becky, and we're going to talk through this. Those of you who want to know what it's like to step out in trust, you come, we'll have questions, it'll be an interactive time, and it'll be good together. We're going to call it the I Can Do This Wednesday night. January the 18th. Rich and Becky, thanks a million. Monty, thank you. Let's thank them again. God bless you. Thanks, that's great. And that's what Windsor Timberline is about. Windsor Timberline is an I can do this thing. It's about stepping out. It's about taking the next step. It's about taking a little of this fire over there and seeing what happens along the way. Fear God. Obey His Commandments, Oswald Chambers, the author of Utmost for His Highest, the, the, the writer of it at least, said this, the remarkable, excuse me, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you can fear everything else. When you fear God, you fear nothing else. When you don't fear God, you can fear everything else. 
And that's a different story. Here's the writer of Ecclesiastes coming to the end. And he's, he's gone through all the, if you just invest in this world, it's just meaningless and so forth. It'll go away. You'll end up in the ground. And, it'll, and he goes through all that. And then he comes to this part and says, so here's the deal. Better fear God, young or old. Reverence God. Obey him. Step out. And give as much of your life as early as you can to him. Some of you came to faith, you know, when you were 58. And you say, man, I wish I'd heard this when I was 18. But the fact is that you are where you are. And give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of him. And walk with him in that way. I close with this. And this is my actual closing. <laughs> I've told you about my grandmother, Louise Foth. It was just about this time of year. About 20 years ago, it was approaching Christmas, and we got word that Grandma Foth was dying. We were in Northern California. She had had a stroke a couple of years before, and she, uh, she couldn't speak. She could write, but she couldn't speak. She used to take hankies and put them in her mouth because she couldn't close her mouth. She was a handsome woman. Handsome is a, is a word that I use for her kind of woman. She was tall. She was stately. She was, she was a lovely lady. And she was in a care facility in Southern California. She was 96 years old. Grandma Louise had been born in Russia in a German village on the Volga River. They called them Volga Deutsch. Many of them settled in this part of the country. She came to California when she was seven in a Lutheran church. She was confirmed. German was her first language. And when she married, her father gave her this Bible. This is the Heilige Schrift, the Holy Writings. It's a German Bible. She made uh, freezer pineapple ice cream for me when I came at Christmas time with my parents. I don't know how to make it. I just know how to eat it, and it's tremendous. <laughs> she grew roses in her backyard, beautiful varietals of roses. And she loved Jesus from the early years until she passed away. She lived a very ordinary, simple, but quality life in the Central Valley of California with her husband. We walked into her room that day, and they said she might not know you, but she was alert. And she grabbed a writing pad when she saw us, and she started writing, my dear Dickie boy, so she called me, my dear Dickie boy, I remember when you came to my house when you were three, and you climbed up on the counter, and you took all the dishes out of the cupboards. <laughs> we sang songs to her, Ruth and I and our four kids, and then it was time to go, and we said, Grandma, we're going to sing one last song. And in her native tongue, we started to sing her favorite Christmas song, Stille Nacht, heilige Nacht, alle schläft, einsam wacht, nur das Treute hoch heilige Paar, schlaft in himmlisch, and so forth and so on. Tears ran down her face as we sang Silent Night. Then we had a prayer with her, and she cried, and she hugged us, and we started away, and as we started away, I said, See you later, Grandma. And she waved me back. I walked back to the bed. She grabbed the pad and she wrote two words, in heaven. And six weeks later, she was there. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Lord, the psalmist says, don't forsake me when I'm old and gray-headed because I want to tell your truth to this generation. Fear God and obey his commandments. Remember and revere God, young and old, 
all of our lives. When you do that, that, my friend, is not meaningless, it's not vanity, and it's not chasing the wind. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Just in this moment, with our heads bowed and no one looking, If you're here as a young person, you're 21 years or down, I'd just like you to raise your hand. You're here as a young person. You just raise your hand. Just hold it high for a minute. I see you. You can just put your hands down. I'd like to take a moment, just pray for you. Lord Jesus, for these young people in a tricky world, I pray that your Holy Spirit will, will be real with them. I pray that your grace will be strong on them. I pray that your power will be in them as they remember you in the days of their youth, that their lives would be saved for you, that their lives would be made whole even as they walk in their journey of life no one else looking. If there's someone here who said, I've never started that journey, but I'd like to journey with God. You just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor Dick, as we close. You'll just, yes, I see your hand. You just slip your hand up wherever you are. Yes, I see you. You can put your hand down. Lord Jesus, thank you for these who have lifted a hand as an act of trust and reverence. We give you praise and honor for the privilege of following you with our whole hearts. As these friends in their hearts start a journey with you, show them your ways clearly, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We get to worship again tonight. We're going to share in a love offering for Windsor Timberline, Pastor Reza spoke about it earlier. I've had the privilege of being part of two church plants prior to this one. One was when I was 24 years old and I was the lead pastor. I was the only pastor because we only had like 12 people. And then a few years ago, about 15 years ago in Washington, D.C., a young man started a church plant and Ruth and I were part of that congregation. There were 19 folks to start. Now there are 2,000 people in that congregation. And here we go in a couple of weeks out to Windsor with hopefully several hundred people be able to start there. This is such an exciting thing. If you have filled out that faith promise card, we'd like you just to place it in the plate. If you have another gift that you'd like to give, this is a chance for some of you who perhaps were not here in the spring to be able to participate. What we're doing is lighting a fire in Windsor. That's what's happening. And we thank the Lord for the privilege of being able to give in this offering. So as the ushers pass the plates, thank you for participating. And uh, we just stand on tiptoe to see what's going to happen as a result of the church being planted there. God bless you. Be back in a minute. I was thinking, so what do we say for benediction? Like, what's the good word? Well, I think we ought to sing the benediction tonight. When we go to Windsor, it's like taking fire from this place and putting it a dry tinder over there. And there's the song, you know, remember the Lord 
in the days of your youth. Remember this little song when you were a kid? It goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Shine all over Windsor Town. Shine all over Windsor Town. I'm gonna let it shine. Shine all over Windsor Town. I'm gonna let it shine. Shine all over Windsor Town. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. So go for it. God bless you. Have a great week. Go in His grace. The prayer team is here for those who desire prayer. Please come.